Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. Uh, I think this is my this is my first Sunday speaking as a staff member, as a pastor here. So I know there's some of you guys who don't know me yet, um, but definitely looking forward to getting to know you. I am married. Uh, my wife is here somewhere. Her name's Jenny. We have two kids, Olivia, who's six, Lorenzo, who is about to be two, which is crazy. Um, and so, yeah, we look forward to getting to know you guys and really helping build the house. I've known uh, the Vincentis and the Whites for years and years, pretty much grew up in the Whites' house every summer. Uh, they wouldn't know we were coming. They'd wake up in the morning, and we were there. <laughs> and that became normal. Um, but anyway, we've, I've also been coming to this house for a long, long time. I remember being in the Vanderbilt YMCA. I remember being, I don't remember what building was down the steps on Sunday mornings. Herald Square. Cham- the Christian Herald, Chamber Street. Now we're in Maiden Lane. So we, we have come a long way. We have come a long way. But I will say this. The presence of the Lord has remained uh, faithful and consistent throughout the whole, the whole journey. And so I want to share with you, I want to open up with a dream that I had sometime last year. Let me pull it up. And before we share, let's just pray again. Father, we just thank you for your presence. We just ask, even as we share the word, that you would be with us, you'd remain with us, that you would anoint our ears to hear what you have to say and to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name. All right, I'm just going to read this dream, and then I'm just going to dive right in. So I was, in the dream, I was outside of the church that I grew up in, in, in Wyckoff, and I had attended that church for pretty much 15, 16 years. And in the dream, I, I was outside and I walked into the church. I walked all the way down the hallway. The sanctuary in that church is in the middle. So I walked all the way down the hallway uh, along the sanctuary. And I went to the door, which when you go in, kind of similar to this, it brings you into the side of the stage. And there's only one story in this church, but in the dream, when I walked in, I was upstairs. I was in the, the upper room of the sanctuary, and it now had a second floor. And as I walked up and I walked towards the back of the sanctuary, there, there were people gathered there sitting at tables eating and drinking. And the sanctuary looked very old and aged, yet it had some of its same beauty as when it was new. And in the back of the sanctuary, on that second floor where I was, in the midst of all these people seated at the tables was a large, perfectly cut out square on the floor, revealing the first floor below. And on the first floor, there was a boxing ring set up, and a, a fight was about to take place. And there were two boxers, and they were getting, getting ready. And a waiter asked me if I was ready to sit, and I said, no, I will wait until the rest of my guests arrive. And then I woke up. And... I began to wrestle with that dream and just, I knew it was from the Lord. Uh, sometimes you have dreams and you're like, that's just, you know, the pizza that you ate last night. 
And then there's other times you wake up and you're like, okay, Lord, what, what was that? Uh, and it kind of catches your attention. So this was one of those dreams for me. And as I began to pray, it felt like the Lord began to speak to me. And I, I even felt like, for at least for me personally, this was about a year and a half ago, I felt like he was opening up a blueprint for dreams in my life. And the funny thing is, um, once I, I joined staff here and, and I started coming here, I, I'm not one that normally has dreams every night. My wife has a dream literally every night, like four dreams every night, and always wants to tell me about her dreams. Um, but I, I'm, that's not me. And when I, when I actually came on staff here, I, I all of a sudden started having dreams again. And even last night, I was having a dream. And I woke up, and you know how you wake up from a dream, and you're like, some, some things in the room. Uh, and it's just like, but it just kind of felt like this, this, um, this open door for the dream world. And anyway, back to this dream. Um, what I felt was, for me, it was a church that I grew up in. I felt like the Lord was inviting us back into that place when we first encountered the Lord, when we first came to him. But even specifically, I felt like he was inviting us higher. And one of the things that really stuck out to me is when I got, when I got into that upper room, it looked old, um, but excuse me, it looked new, but it had some of the same beauty of its former days. And I felt the Lord say to me, you know, I'm bringing you back to reevaluate your foundations, but not so you can go back in time, but so you can remember the beauty of those early days and bring it into today. And when I walked up to the tables and, and you know, the waiter said, do you want to sit? And I said, no, I want to wait. I felt like the Lord was saying that this is not just for you, Rich. This is to bring a generation into this reality together. And I began to feel the Lord inviting us, even as a church, to come back to this place uh, of, of dreaming with God. And why the boxing ring? I felt like there was a contending, that there was a contending again for dreams. There was a contending again for the gifts to be awakened. And even for me personally, some of the most profound encounters I've had with the Lord, uh, some of them have been through dreams or through, through like in prayer. Or sometimes, don't know if you're awake or waking up, like visions in in the mind's eye. And I really believe that God is beckoning, beckoning us into the Holy of Holies. And the last thing the Lord was showing me is like, he said, you came from outside the church and I brought you into the door. But then I brought you into the door and I brought you into the sanctuary and I brought you into the upper room. And I felt like it was this outer court into the inner court into the Holy of Holies. And I really felt like there was this invitation where the Lord was saying, listen, yes, we're going to do this stuff. We're going to do this stuff outside the church. And we love the ministry to the people, which is the outer court. But I want to bring you back into the place of the inner courts, into the Holy of Holies, where you minister again to me. And there's this invitation for us that we simply, with partnering with him, he's going to do way more than we ever dreamed or imagined. You know, growing up in church... I grew up in church my whole life, and even on Friday night, I had two friends that I drove home with, and I've begun to just, you know, you, you get to certain parts of your life. I'm 32. Now I actually can look back on life a little bit. Um, not old by any means, but definitely I'm able to look back, and as I look back 
on my friendships and I look back on the people who I grew up with and I, I'm so grateful. And I was with George and Brielle, they're dear friends of mine. And I said to, to Brielle, I was like, Brielle, I'm so grateful that I got to grow up with people who were hungry for the Lord, who were going after the presence of God. And I said, I was, uh, you know, we, maybe we not experienced a full-blown revival in our day, but I said, our, our friend group, we were in revival. We really were to the point where when I look back now and I look to them today, most of my friends are still walking with the Lord, and many of them are in full-time ministry. And it was just this thing where the Lord has kept me, and the Lord had kept us. And I know for, for you guys, even for us today, it is important who we surround ourselves with. Who is around us? Because I'm telling you, that this walk that we do when we, when we walk with the Lord and we do it in community, we do it as a church, we do it as a body, it creates longevity and it creates perseverance. And when you get to that place where it's like your heart's burning and you're alive and, and it's amazing, but then you get to seasons where it feels like that flame is just that little flame. You know, there's, I say this a lot, but there's two ways to, to light a match. You know, the first way is you, you, you can create friction. You, know, you can take that match and you rub it against something, you create friction and it, it will ignite. And the Lord, he can do that. He can create friction on our, on our life and he can reignite flames again in our heart. There's a much easier way. If you take that match and you bring it next to an open flame, it ignites immediately. And if we can surround ourselves and get around people who are burning, we get around people who are alive. We're talking about dreams. We're talking about the presence of the Lord today. We get around people that are thriving in the thing that we want to thrive in, that the breakthrough that's on their life will come on your life. You know, it's like the old saying our parents would say, you know, be careful who you hang out with because you are who your friends are. I mean, it is, it's true in many ways. You know, who we hang out with on, on a daily, we influence one another. You know, and then we can kind of tie that into the Lord. If we hang out with him, he's going to influence us. But we're going to talk about that. So this morning, what I really want to focus on, or really this afternoon, is his presence being with us. You know, if, if your assignment in your life doesn't require a greater encounter with the Lord, then we, you might need to lift your gaze a little higher. If the thing that you are dreaming for seems capable and you're able to attain it, then it may not be that impossible dream that God has for you in this season. And for us, it's this reality. And for me, I need Jesus every day. I need him every day. I need him all day. I need his presence. Like this worship was amazing. But I, I need this, this atmosphere cultivated in my life. And though it may look different, I'm not going to have Ivan and Mariah with me on a Monday morning. But it's this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday reality, cultivating the presence of God in our life. And we know biblically he never leaves us. So really, I'm teaching myself how to become more aware of his presence that's already with us, already with me. And we're looking to get a generation into a room who's not gathering for a speaker, who's not gathering for an event, but they come because Jesus is there, because his presence is here. And we're even here, we're building a house around the presence of the Lord. And some would call that extreme. Some would call that radical. But for us, we don't know any other way. It's, 
it's who we are. And some people will say, well, well you're, just, you're just the presence people. You're just the church that likes the presence. Rich, you're just the presence guy. Well, if I'm the presence guy, then I'm the God guy. Because his presence is Jesus being present. If his presence becomes a side issue to us, then he becomes a side issue to us. And this is, this is so important for us. And I, I, you know, my wife and I, we've, we started a school of ministry some, some time back, and we've, we've dealt a lot with students, and we've taught a lot. We've done curriculum, and we, we get a lot of questions, and um, I've been in ministry for over 10 years, and I'll get people asking questions. Many times it's about leading a room, or how do you lead a meeting, or why do you do this thing that you do, or how, you know, they ask a lot of questions. But one of them that comes up often is, okay, like, because, we're, we're, you know, we're the presence people, right? They're like, okay, but um, should, we, should we just teach the word today or should we lead people into his presence? And it's this thing where as if those two things are separate. You know, the, the Bible tells us that he is the word of God. So his word is his presence. So you don't have to choose to do a service where we cultivate the presence or do a service where we teach the Bible. Those are one and the same. People say, you know, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to just constantly live up in the cloud, or do you want to do day-to-day discipleship? I'm like, well, why can't we disciple from the cloud? Why is it a choice to do, quote-unquote, church, and then we could do the presence on Sunday night, but not on Sunday morning? And I'm not talking about, the, you know, I know I'm preaching to the choir. We, like, like I said this to Sal, we did this thing this morning. This is the message that... that that I'm speaking today. We, we did that today. We made room for God and he showed up. You know, in the scripture, we see that he is everything. And it's impossible to have more than everything. And so whatever you're looking for, even in this book, it, it comes from him. Let's, let's turn Luke 9, verse 23. I'm reading out of New King James. they have it on the screen for you guys oh they do all right you guys good okay luke 9 verse 23 to 27 he said to them all if anyone desires to come after me let him deny himself take up his cross daily and follow me for whoever desires to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost, or some translation says, loses his own soul. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the Son of Man, will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. It's good. Whoever desires to save his life, will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What profit is it to man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? You know, the deeper we get in our relationship with the Lord, uh, honestly, the more simple our passion for him becomes. You know, God is incredibly deep, but when it 
when it comes to experiencing him, he's simple. His depths, his mysteries are deep, they're profound, but when it comes to experiencing him, he's simple. He just says, come as you are. He says things like, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of you. And so th- this, this topic of his presence, it's, it's, it's a simple one. When we gather, he's here. You know, I was talking to the worship team earlier this morning, and I said, one of the things I've practically done in my life, because I'm with you. I get distracted. I get used to the busyness of life. I have a lot going on. We have jobs. We have kids. We have whatever, and we come to church, and we just kind of like, we just come. And sometimes that's, that's good enough to just, to just get here. But what I've started to do, I've started to, you know, do these, these four steps because I, I don't want to just come. I want to come and I want to encounter him. And I don't want to leave the same way I came in. I want to go home changed. And so what I've done is, you know, whether it's, you know, in a church parking lot or like this, we're walking to the building. As I'm approaching, I'll say, Jesus, you're here. As I walk in that door, I'm like, you're here, Lord. As I go down the steps, I'm, I'm reminding myself, Jesus, you, you are here. You're in this place. I come into the sanctuary. I tell Jesus, you're here. And we know it to be true, but I need, I need, my heart and my mind needs reminding. And I start to just remind myself he's here. And then after that, I'll, I'll, I'll go into Thanksgiving. And I'll just start thanking him for things. And if I don't have something specific on my mind or recently, I'll just say, Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that I could be anywhere, but you saved me. Thank you, Lord, that you've kept me. Thank you that I, I know who you are. Thank you for my breath. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my, whatever it is. And I just, I'll start thanking him. Why? Because thanksgiving and praise, they're an open door to the presence. He comes every time. And I'll start to thank him. And then naturally my heart will then start to praise him for who he is and for what he's done. And I'll say things like, Lord, you're good. Things we were singing and saying this morning, you're worthy, you're holy. I'll open up to Revelation 1 and I'll say, you're the firstborn from the dead. You're the ruler of the kings of the earth. You're the one who walks in the midst of the lampstands. And I'll just start declaring who he is. And naturally, as I start to do that, then, then I'll just transition into worship. And I'll just transition it into beholding him. And I can't tell you as, as I've done that throughout the years, and I've done that process, though it's routine, but I'm not just doing it for the sake of routine. I'm doing it routinely with him he begins to show up and i'll start to enter into worship without thinking let me worship without saying okay now let's enter into time of worship it just will naturally flow out of me why because when he's there and i'm looking at him and he's looking at me at me that's that's worship that's worship and i'm telling you it's it's simple but you know, the Pharisees, the, the pharisaical mind, they'll want to complicate things. They'll want to tell you, you know, because that's offensive to them. Like, no, you can't, just, you can't just do that. You can't just enter in whatever you want. First, you have to repent, and first, you have to do this. And what did you do last night? And, well, you didn't read enough. You didn't pray enough. And these are the pharisaical thoughts that we have going on in our mind that tell us why we can't enter in today. Why today we should sit in the back of the sanctuary and not the front. Why today we feel like we can't come to the altar or we can't sing. Or we, and we, we put on this thing on us where we, we disqualify ourselves from entering into the presence of God. When he, he, he doesn't, you know, 
Luke 23, he says, if anyone desires to come after me, he doesn't say here, repent. He doesn't say, he just says, okay, just deny yourself. What does that mean? Forget about what you feel. Forget about how you feel when you come. Just take your burden, take up your cross, the thing that's weighing you down, and come to me. Just come with everything that you have. However you feel, however you're standing, however, whatever's been going on your day, come to me. And the invitation is open. <laughs> the moment your heart latches on to the simplicity of Jesus, he will wound your heart. He will pierce it with fiery arrows of love. And he begins to bring you on this journey with him. John Wesley said this, simplicity is to love and adore one person and one person alone. That is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. I wanna read that again. Simplicity is to love and adore one person and one person alone. That is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Guys, church, church is about Jesus. You know, we gather here for him, for God, for the Holy Spirit, right? He bought it, and the only thing that makes a church gathering a church gathering is his presence. You know, if we gather and he doesn't show up, right, then we're just, we're just a country club or a vegan gathering or something where we all agree upon, right? Like, you know, what, what I love about the apostolic model of church, we, we're, not, we're not gathering around agreement. We're gathering around a father who's good. And the thing that makes us, the church, whether it's the building or just the gathering of the people, it's his presence. His presence among us is what distinguishes us, separates us, and makes us holy. I have a message on Ephesians 1 that I'll, I'll preach one day, but, uh, you know, it's this, I'll hit it for 30 seconds. It's his presence that makes us holy. It's what we were saying before. You're going through all these struggles. You're going through all these things. But Ephesians 1, he opens up to the saints who are in Ephesus. What Paul's doing is he's giving the Ephesians the name that God's calling them, the saints, the holy ones, to the ones who have been made holy. And it's a beautiful thing because so many times we think we got to say this prayer and do this thing or really not do this thing so that we can be holy. Though Those are good disciplines. Of holiness, but the only thing that can make us holy is Him. It's not what we do or what we don't do. He makes us holy. And when He makes us holy, then our actions align up with the identity that He's given us. But His presence is what distinguishes us. Moses knew this. Exodus 33, verses 15 to 16. Moses is saying this. He's, he's given Moses this invitation. He says, okay, great. I love this idea, God, but I don't just want to go with the angel. I don't want to just go with the cloud. I don't want to just go with the fire. I need to know that you're in the fire, and I need to know that you're in the cloud. Because if I go up from this place, and your presence doesn't go with me, how will they know that we are any different than them? This was the wrestle Moses had with the Israelites. They didn't want to go up the mountain. And so... Moses was like, I understand they don't want, but I'm not going anywhere without you, Lord. Because then I'm just going to be just like them. It's his presence upon us, within us. You know, there, there was a day, and we still do it here, but a lot of churches have left this, where we would measure the preaching or the worship service by 
did he come? Was he glorified? Was he lifted up? Where we measure the service by his presence and not about, you know, the, the, the next one-liner or the, the post or like the, the thing. And we like it. We love it. There's, I'm not bashing any of that. We, you know, I love the expression of the church. It's beautiful and it's amazing what he's empowered us to do. But he has to remain the center. And when he comes into a room, it's incredibly measurable. It really is. It is measurable when he shows up in the gathering. I mean, we saw it this morning. It's measurable. And many, sometimes you're, you, know, you might be like, Rich, I don't know what that means. Well, I'll put it this way. You know what the measurement is of the feeling when someone who you don't like walks into a room. Right? You can sense them. You know they're over in the corner of the restaurant. And you're like, hey, bro, I know we're still eating this burger. Let's eat it fast because I, I want to get out of here. Right? We know what it's like when, when someone walks into the room or maybe someone we want to see walks into the room. You know, we, we know what it's like. Life is measurable. You know, you, maybe you rode here on the subway and you, that, the, the cold feeling of that, cold, gross feeling of that pole in the subway is measurable. You, maybe you drove here. The car seat that you, you sat in, you felt it. On, you feel the shirt on your back. Life is measurable. And in the same way, his presence, when he comes in the room, we can feel him. We can sense him. We were built. We were created as hosts of the presence of God. It is simple. I know it might seem like a mystery, but it is simple. He shows up and we host him. And it can look like a lot of things. And we can talk about that. But one of the things it looks like when he comes, it looks like the king entering in. Lift up your head, O oh, you gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors. Swing wide, you everlasting doors, that the king of glory may come in. I love that verse. And when I, I, I forget, I, I couldn't even tell you when, but I, I started to do a study on that and reading commenters and realizing, you know, he, he wasn't, you know, when was the last time you looked at a gate and it had a head on it? Right? The, the gates don't have heads. He's talking about us. So when, he's, when we're praying that and we're singing that, lift up your head, O you gates, he's talking about his people. Lift up your head. Be opened up, be lifted up, you everlasting doors, so the king of glory can come in. What does that mean? He wants to come in through you. So many times we think the gates, the, the, the doors, they're the church, like physically. It's not the physical building. That's not the point. You are his temple. So when he's talking about the gate, when he's talking about the door, he's talking about you. You are the gate. You are the door that the king of glory comes in on, comes in through. What's a gate? A gate is a place of transition. Jacob's ladder, right? Angels ascending and descending. He has this, this dream. He calls the place Bethel. His head's on a rock, and he, and he sees this vision, angels ascending and descending, angels ascending and descending. And then he wakes up, and he says a bunch of things, but he says this one phrase. He goes, this is none, this is none other than the house of God, the gate of heaven. And he gave us a picture of what the house of God, the church, which is the gate, the people, which are the gate, what does that look like? It looks like open heavens. It looks like angels ascending and descending. It looks like us 
becoming aware that we already have an open heaven around us. And as we go into the world or even into our Sunday morning, we usher in the presence of God. Do you know what that means? It's not just the worship team or the speaker who lead us into the presence, though that's become church language and church lingo and church culture. But that's not the point. It's not the 20% that's we all come. Front to back, left to right, we all come and we lead ourselves into the presence. Why? Because all of us are gates. All of us are doors. All of us are hosts and carriers of the presence of God. Jesus is the one. His presence is the thing that can shift a room in a moment. His presence tangible is the thing that can make the air feel a little different. Makes the atmosphere feel a little different. Acts 4, right? The account where it says, and Lord, look upon our threats and grant us boldness to preach your word, that you would stretch out your hand to heal the sick. And it says in the scripture, and then the place where they gathered was shaken. Not the wall, not the stage, the entire place was shaken. Have you ever been in, in, in a place, in a room where the Lord shows up and it just feels like the air just feels a little different, like some, something just shifted. Every time we come into this house, our hearts should say, Jesus is here. And you might like, you, you're saying, well, Rich, this is, no, this is kind of simple. I, I know it is. That's the point. That's the point, this, this simple thing. But, but notice, it's, it's a shift. It's a simple changing and renewing of the mind to think differently. It's just a practical thing where we simply recognize he's here. And watch how minor shifts in your life grab your attention that grabs his attention that actually begin to fuel your spiritual life. Because this thing, this thing, it's not just, you know, I do it here because I know we're coming corporately, but I can do this in my car. I get in my car and I'm driving to work. Now it's here. I go to, but, you know, before it was a real estate office, I'm driving to work and I say, okay, Lord, you're here. You're in this car with me. I get to my desk and I say, okay, Lord, you're here. You're here with me. And it doesn't have to be a 60 minute thing. It could be a 60 second thing. You're here. Thank you that you're here. You're a good Lord. I praise you. And we just connect. It's these simple shifts in life, in the everyday, in the mundane, that begin to activate our spiritual life and invite heaven to invade. And I love this. I think it's, uh, I think it's John 11... 20 or John, no, I think it's either Matthew or John, either 11, 20 or 20, 11, but one, somewhere there, one of those four where it says, and I will be there even in the midst of you. I think I gave them the verse. Maybe it's the next one, guys. Yeah, John eleven twenty. 20. Nope, I gave you the wrong verse. <laughs> but somewhere in John, I think it might be 20, 11, it says, and I will be there even in the midst of you. And in Revelation, it says that He's the God that walks in the midst of the lampstands. 
He's the God in the midst. He's the God in the middle, in the middle of us, in the middle of his people, where two or three are gathered. There I am. He's in everything because he's in you. And if we would recognize that and know, okay, uh, yes, I, I don't have the, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that this amazing team is leading us in. And we have this atmosphere that's created on a Sunday morning. But I'm in my workplace. But if I can, if I can walk in this and know this, I can well, the three-foot, six-foot radius I'm walking in is under an open heaven. Even at the water cooler, even on the way to the bathroom, even in, in the conference room, in the meeting, in the Zoom calls, in the working at home, in the mundane, he can be there when we just simply shift our mind and say you're here lord he says i'll be there in the midst of you he wants to be the air we breathe he wants to be the life that's flowing through our body he wants to be the one that captivates you that captures your heart that one thing that david said this one thing have i desired of the lord to dwell in his house to all the days of my life to behold his beauty to inquire of his temple he wants to be the life even flowing through the person next to you that flows through them and gets on you. I, I say this a lot of times in, the, in meetings, but if you're in the room, you, you're literally at risk of encountering God. You are because he's here. Catherine Kuhlman, when talking about, you know, people would ask her, how, how do you see the miracles happen how do you see people healed and and like this stuff you know we're always talking about the stuff the signs wonders healings and so she says this so simply she said i just turned people to him and when he becomes more real than the thing that they need then miracles happen Amen. now let's turn that on ourselves and we have this list of things that we're constantly asking the Lord for. And we know the scripture. We, we have the good theology that says, you know, put first him and his kingdom and I'll add everything else to you. But half the time we keep bringing the list. We're like, okay, I'm going to pray. And we bring the list. And I want to challenge us. What if before we ask him for the thing, we just look to him? And let him become more real than our need. Let him become more real than our, even our good desire. God, I want to see this person at work healed. And God's like, I do too. But they don't need you. They need me. So bring me. What would it look like if we became those people? You know, I, I have this this. I don't want to call it a dream, but it's just this feeling like the, that the, you know those people, I don't know how many of you grew up in renewal days, um, Toronto days, but there was just people that came out of that movement that you would just get around and, and they just, they were just a little bit awkward, they had that weird look in their eye, they like, you know, you'd be talking about what they're going to get for lunch and then all of a sudden they're praying for you and you're like, how did we even get here? Like, I don't I have no idea what just happened, you know, uh, I had that experience, Faith Blatchford, I had that experience with her, where it's just, you get around her and you're just like, you're not alone, are you, Faith? Like, you're never alone. Uh, and, you know, Jen, I mean, quick story, Jen and I, 
we went to to Reading. We did Bethel first year in Bethel, and, and we actually got to live at Faith's Faith's place. She has an apartment, um, and we would walk inside. There was this like common area. We would walk inside, and we at first we didn't say anything to each other, but after a couple weeks, I said to Jenny, "I'm like, do you, do you ever feel like we're being watched?" <laughs> like you just walk in and just like she had just cultivated this presence and then we found out like this area we walked through before she had the apartment like that was her prayer room i was like okay this makes sense but we would just walk in and just like i would just walk as fast as i could with the groceries because it's just like this fear of the lord was just in this space and then to get into my apartment like ooh, no more fear of the lord feels good in here you know <laughs> But then you get around her, and I remember the first time she came to J-Hop, and it was the end of the meeting, and I was just, I, I literally remember, I was putting a piece of gum in my mouth, and I was getting ready to go to eat, and then she just looks at me, and then she's got this crazy look in her eye, and then she just starts charging towards me and snapping, and I'm just like back against the wall and falling. The, but like, I, I feel like the Lord's raising up those type of people again. He's raising up, what would we call it when we are younger, the Jesus freaks. The ones who just don't, they don't care what it looks like. They don't care what they come across. They care about one thing. It's him, his purposes, and what he wants to do. Not just in the world, but in this moment. And that's one of the things that shifted in my life. It's I, I, for, for years, I, and I still do, I pray for revival, and I want to see an outpouring, and I want to see people come to know the Lord. But the other thing I've learned to do is not just look for the tomorrow, but look to the right now and say, okay, Lord, but what do you, I know you can do that now, but what's the little R revival, the little O outpouring that you want to do right now with this person that's in front of me, with me that's in front of you, God, what do you want to do right now? And I begin to watch the Lord meet me. And honestly, we've, I've, talked, we've talked, I've talked like this for years, and, and people, people will say, well, Rich, you're just not happy unless the, there's wildness in a meeting, which is true. The wilder the meeting, the happier I am. <laughs> but it's just, it's not that I'm not happy because it has, it's not that I, I, I need it to look a certain way. It, it, I don't need it to look a certain way. I just need him there. I, I want his presence because at the end of the day, Without him being present, without the stewarding of the presence of God, without the, you know, David knew this. David was like, yeah, we got to get, love Obed-Edom, great, you got the tabernacle, but we got to get this back. Someone died getting it back. David put on a, a linen ephod, which was basically a, a humiliating thing to do. He put on a servant's cloth and and. It says that when they were returning the presence of the Lord to Jerusalem, some theologians say that every seven steps they would stop to make a sacrifice to the Lord. And that he danced wildly, not behind the presence, but before the presence to bring it in. I really believe the Lord's raising up a Jesus people again. People who are completely sold out and they don't care what it looks like. They... they they got this look in their eye. They got this way about them that freaks people out, makes them a little uncomfortable. But it, it, it draws them in. I'm almost done. Can I have five more minutes? If I can have, just raise your hand if I can have five more. We got five, 10, 15, 20, 30. All right, we're good. 
Uh, I'll say this last thing, and then we're going to take communion together. So if we have the worship team come up, and ushers, if you could get the communion ready. John chapter 6, verse 50. Jesus is over and over again, actually, in this chapter. He's talking about how he's the bread of life. He's the bread that came down. He's the bread of life. He's the bread that came down. But in in verse 50, he says it in this way. He says, Jesus said, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. And it's interesting because that whole chapter, it says, came, came, came. But here it says, I'm the bread that comes. And it caught my attention. And just realizing he, he... he, yes, he came, but he's still there with him. He's the one that comes. And he's the one that keeps coming. He's the bread that keeps coming. And I even think of like the Israelites. You know, they weren't allowed to store up the manna. They weren't allowed to store up the bread. Because he was trying to teach him, no, you don't have to have this poverty mindset. Yesterday's bread is, is not good enough for today. And so if they saved yesterday's bread, it would get worms and it would go bad because there was new bread for today. And even Jesus, when he's teaching us how to pray, the Father's prayer, he says, pray in this way. Our kingdom come, your kingdom come, your will be done. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. There's daily bread. And who is the bread? Jesus, John 6. I am the bread. I am the bread. Give us this day day our daily Jesus. We need him daily. We need him every day. It's not give us this Sunday our daily bread or give us this Wednesday night. It's, It's daily. It's every day. You guys can start handing out the communion. I'm going to share another dream I had as they're passing the communion cups out. Now, I was in a dream. I was in the dream and, and, uh, in the dream, we were leading groups of people into a stadium. And as these, there's thousands, thousands of people coming into the stadium. But as they came into the stadium, we led them into side rooms. And I don't know in the dream, I, I saw three, but I knew there was numerous all around the stadium. And it wasn't just me, but many leaders were leading multitudes into the stadium, but first into the side room. And as we brought them into the side room, we handed them communion. And the communion cups, they had three, three ridges on them. And we were giving them instruction. And we were saying, you know, we're going to take communion and we're going to eat and we're going to drink this cup. And we're going to drink it for this. And we're going to drink it for that. And we, we take it for this. And we were giving them instruction 
And then after we would take communion, then we would send them into the stadium. And when I woke up, immediately the Lord spoke to me. And he said, Rich, if, if you would commune with me in the side room, in the secret place, then I'll be able to re release an apostolic release into the public place of ministry. But he said, Rich, to have power in the public place, to be ready for stadium revival, we have to commune with him in the secret place. And when the Christian can pray in his closet, and when the church can come together to pray, then we'll see another great missions movement thrusting forth laborers into the harvest field. And he said this, and Rich, it's also about the, the literal communion cup. That the Lord was inviting us back to the table of the Lord to treat these elements as holy again. That it wasn't just routine. But to let these living elements activate us in the secret places of our heart. Thank you. And I felt it fitting... You know, we, we talked about when to do the communion today, and I felt it fitting to do it at the end of the message because I feel like there's this returning to the table of the Lord. This thing where it says, I've set a table before you in the midst of my enemies, right? And so who's at the table? We're at the table. Our enemies at the table. And God's at the table. But who are we going to set our eyes on? We're going to look at what the enemy's doing. Are we going to navel gaze and look at ourselves or are we going to look to him? Are we going to daily come back to him and say, Lord, I need your presence in my life. And as we take communion today, again, I'm, I'm reminded, I am grateful. We could be anywhere, guys. We could be anywhere, but he has sustained us with him. He has sustained us. We could be. It says, you've snatched me from the pit. We, we, our lives were in a pit. We were in despair. We were in a lost place. But he has sustained us by his presence, by his love, by his blood, by his body that was broken. <laughs> in Corinthians, it talks about taking communion and how to take it rightly. How to take it rightly, how to... You know, consider our ways, consider ourselves, not to take it in an unworthy manner. But he says, you know, I like to kind of take it and turn it on its head. Like, what does it mean to take it in a worthy manner? It, it means that we're proclaiming the coming of the Lord. It means that instead of bringing curse on our life, we're bringing blessing. It says, this is why some of you are sick and weak. Okay, but when we take it with a worthy manner, that means we're bringing strength and life and healing. We're being disciplined by God. It says to wait for one another to be served. We're, what are we doing in communion? We are learning to prefer one another in love.
And it says in the scripture, maybe we'll just take 30 seconds. Some of you guys might need to do that. Just need to survey your ways and just make right with the Lord. I'll just give you 30, 60 seconds. Whatever it is, some of you guys have these things that come right to your mind. Just go ahead. Bring it before him. Lay it down. Lay it down at his feet this morning. says that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed he took the bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and he said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me take of his bread today. And in the like manner, he also took the cup. And saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it. Do it in remembrance of me. So, Lord, we take this cup. There's <laughs> a new covenant this morning. We remind ourselves of your covenant. We remind ourselves of your blood that still runs warm. Your blood that still works. Your blood that opened the door of heaven for us to encounter you, to be in your presence the door that qualifies us to come boldly to the throne of grace. We take this cup and we remember your blood that was shed for us. And we do this in remembrance of you. Let's partake. And what I want to do, I just want to pray for anyone that you're saying, you know what, Rich? It's been a long time since I've burned. It's been a long time since I felt this passion in my heart for the Lord in this way. And I, I want to be like, and we would say it often, we would pray, Lord, Lord, encounter me like you encountered Paul so I can live like he lived. And you're just saying this morning, I, I just need a fresh touch from God. I want to be one who walks daily in the presence. I want to be able to shift my mind, just the simplicity of devotion. And you just want to respond to that. I want to invite you to come up. And the rest of us, why don't we stand together even as the, the ones are coming. And we're going to minister to these one-on-one. -on -one, and I'm just going to pray for everyone in the room together even before we dismiss. I know we have a, a love feast today after service.
So I think we're going to gather in the lobby and you'll pick up your food and we'll fellowship together. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, so just put your hands before the Lord all across this room. God, for those it's been a long time and for those of us, we've just been walking in it. We ask for increase, God. We want to be like those where it says, the city officials said, oh, here comes those people, those Jesus people who are turning the world upside down. As they said of the disciples, Lord, let it be said of us, God, where people would look and experience us and just, you know, there's something different about you. I get a little nervous when I get around you. Feels a little awkward, but it feels good. It feels like home. We want to be ambassadors of your kingdom. We want to be carriers, hosts of the presence of God. We want your presence with us, God. So, Lord, would you teach us how to build an altar? Yes, in this house, but Lord, even in the house that, that is our body, teach us how to build an altar. Lord, I pray that the fire on the altar of our hearts would never go out. That you would keep them burning. That we would be like those five wise, wise virgins, constantly tending to the oil in our lamps. Holy Spirit, even now, come and fill your people. Thank you, Jesus. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at Life Center NYC or YouTube at Life Center Church NYC.